Attention, listener, I have an assignment for you. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to engage with the real nerds, a.k.a. the best podcast on the internet. You can listen to their episodes on their website, realnerdspodcast.com, and you can also listen to them on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and iTunes. Follow their social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This message will self-destruct never. Hi, this is Georges Genty, and you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. podcast unofficially the official podcast of denver pop culture con 2021 and beyond i'm ryan on zoom again with brad zach and corinne yep yep. every week we see a new movie and podcast our experience to the world except for the last 13 weeks now or is it 14 brad 14 14 weeks where we decide uh that we can't see movies um because they're not open so we are doing retro films and this week brad chose super mario brothers yep from 1993 yeah last week uh we chose um oh my god jason x jason x uh no two weeks ago we chose uh, dewey cox uh to stick it to james uh so i figured this week would be a good one to stick it to ryan because he hates this movie so much (laughs) (laughs) do i uh i rewatched it today off of a streaming service that is easy to find and um me too and uh has my opinion changed since the last time i saw it like 15 years ago i doubt it <laughs> we're, we're fixing to find out so stay tuned for that we'll tell you if you should revisit super mario brothers uh, we also talk about movie news uh blu-rays that are coming out and movies we've been watching throughout the week um you know the one thing the the coronavirus can't take away from us is the ability to watch movies especially when you get physical copies of movies. Cut to the coronavirus going, oh, is that what you think? (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, they just shut down all the movie theaters in California, so... Yep. Yep. That was brief. Yeah, so... How long were they even open? uh, I think a month, roughly. You can can still go to church, though, so... (laughs) You know, the one thing that irritates me about this whole coronavirus thing is there's no, like, real rules. No one really knows what's happening. You know what I mean? Well, it's kind of unprecedented. Uh, Yeah, I know. But, I mean, I don't understand how you can still go to places like, um, well, not California anymore, but restaurants with 50 people. You can still go to church. Yeah, they they They'll go to, like, grocery stores with hundreds of people, but can't sit in a theater. They had casinos open, but, like, arcade bars couldn't be open. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't, I'll never understand the, the, the reasoning behind some of this stuff. The coronavirus is much like a creative writer teaching teacher telling you about imagination. There are no rules. <laughs> that's right. And damn you for saying that, Zach. That's, uh, that's as clever as I'm going to get tonight. I'm going to shut off now. Goodbye. All over again. <laughs> Mute his ass, Brad. You're, you're booted, Zach. 
Yes, I know. Goodbye. <laughs> so um, last week, you know, I, I took the the blame for us doing Jason X, but in actuality, it was recommended to us by listener Evan. And yeah. um, and then he also listened to the episode because uh, Corinne begged for fan mail. You don't beg. You just receive Corinne, okay? That's how we do things. Um, we can't look desperate. So, yeah, so he uh, he sent us a fan mail. Fan mail! Which reads, I heard your guys' cry for attention on the podcast about never getting fan mail. <laughs> so I figured I'd rectify that by saying, hi, I'm a fan of your podcast and the email. Also, thanks for doing a commentary of Jason X. It's basically <laughs> the only thing I care about right now. So in summary, love the show. Your fan, Evan. Aww. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Evan. Yeah. You rock. Our so, yeah. Retention. So, I mean, to be fair, you know, we we don't really get a lot of fan interaction other than the Facebook page. And I honestly feel like most of those people are just Ryan's friends. I don't so, uh, False, because I've never met Evan before. So, well, that's what I'm saying is I didn't think that there were actually really listeners out there. <laughs> there are. You should... You should listen. Look at our uh, stats. We actually do get quite a bit of plays, Corinne. Why do I have to be so you, negative? You would never know that. I mean, I don't see the stats, and like I said, nobody ever sends us fan mail. So for all shows, we know, how many shows actually get fan mail? Uh, the ones I listen to do a mailbag every week. <laughs> yeah, but that's also celebrities like Kevin Smith and stuff. I thought we were celebrities. Well, in our minds. Well, you're the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did get an email from a director of a film looking for his interview. You put that up yet, Brad? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I'll get on that. Click, click, clack, clack. <laughs> hey, if if, uh, if we're the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con, we should have like 100,000 fans, right? Totally. I, w- I will say, too, that um, if we actually did like... Uh, uh, like a boost post or something, we'd probably get more. Yeah. yeah anyone got some extra money lying around? That's what I mean. Um, <laughs> not after today. Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Brad, now normally you take us around town, but this time you're going to take us around the country. Oh, I'm Ryan, gonna... I'll do both. Sweet. Just for you. I'm going to give you your own segment to talk about your experience with the greatest B-movie actor of all time. Brad, Take us to Illinois. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm going to Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) What's an Illinois song? I don't even know. Oh, the land of Lincoln has many pennies. You could do something for Blues Brothers. (laughs) Yeah, Blues Brothers. There you go. Um, I I am always surprised when I drove through Illinois. It has a lot of... Uh, Abraham Lincoln iconography all over it. Yeah. It is Which I mean, I'd be Lincoln. proud if he is from my state too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this weekend I took a little uh, birthday mini vacation to the Midway Drive-In in Sterling, Illinois, where Bruce Campbell was making a, an appearance in their Rolling Road show for Evil Dead 4K uh, by Grindhouse Releasing, uh, followed by two other films. Uh, some deep uh you know horror cuts uh one of them was the beyond and the other one was i drink your blood mm-hmm. uh yeah so i drove all the way out there um 
parked. And then about an hour before Bruce Campbell was supposed to come out or no, like half an hour before he was supposed to come out, uh, this huge lightning storm rolled in and it rained and lightning was all over the place. And so for his safety, you know, he stayed locked away until it, it moved on and then eventually it cleared and he came out. Um, and there's still crazy lightning cause he would acknowledge it as he was, uh, on stage speaking to the crowd. Like, and it was the craziest lighting I think I've ever seen because it was horizontal. Like if you can imagine standing at the drive-in screen and looking out across the cars and then the sky in the background was just like stitched with lightning bolts. I think it's um, called a storm cell. I could be wrong. Storm cell. It was cool. Um, I got kind of a picture of it, but uh, yeah, so he got on stage and talked about, uh, you know, you know, fans asked the typical questions of, uh, will you be returning as Ash anytime soon? Um, and then followed by, uh, will there be any more Ash versus Evil Dead <laughs> uh, episodes? Did anyone ask him if he's going to be in Mortal Kombat? Uh, I don't think so. I missed some of the questions because the audio wasn't great. Hmm. Uh, but it, it, was, it just reminded me of uh, when we were, we were at that Mortal Kombat <laughs> panel. Oh, yeah. That's you know, the worst panel of all time. You know, they would ask him, like, do you plan on playing Ash again? He's like, nope, I was clear that I'm not doing that anymore. And then so the next person would ask, is there, are there going to be more Ash versus Evil Dead episodes? Like, dude. Yeah. What did I just say? Uh, uh, he, I'm sure he was still his funny love. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also no bullshit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And then yeah, they played the Evil Dead in 4K, uh, which is there like a, a recut of it? out in 4k because there were scenes from it that i did not remember watching nothing i'm aware of um and obviously the the score was redone uh, for this release and i think i actually prefer the original uh Mm. this like this one stood out a lot as being really polished Mm. which kind of was in contrast to its house (laughs) yeah just like the, the indie filmmaking aspect of um you know Raimi's original cut um yeah and then the following movie was the beyond which was a weird <laughs> like a cult horror movie i i came and i'm not I, I don't really know what happened like it's it's badly dubbed and it's a oh, what's his name a fulci film mm-hmm. um so it's almost like watching an argento film uh but like less abstract and mm-hmm. surreal i guess um where there's like this house that's possessed and has like a, a dimension to hell in it. And then there's this woman who's imagining this blind girl and like this really weird stuff happens. And then they get consumed and the house turns like everyone into zombies. And then eventually they get sucked into hell and go blind. I don't know. It was <laughs> nuts. But the, the cap of the story is that I was ready to watch. I drink your blood. And then the PA comes on and says that someone has destroyed a sink in the men's bathroom and they will be shutting down the theater for the rest of the evening. Wow. So uh, I got shorted a movie that I paid for uh, because the, you know, the, the, the concessions area in the bathroom was flooded. So why would you even do that? Yeah. <laughs> like what happened that it's like, Oh, Bruce Campbell was mean to me in my Q and a. So I'm gonna, like, what's this? <laughs> sink like part of me wonders if it was just because you know the screening was delayed so late 
that the that maybe the drive-in made it up to get it, like all the employees home. Because <laughs> after you know the Beyond, it was like, well, how good? Because could this third movie be like really be worth everyone's time? <laughs> um, you know, it's like two or three a.m. So whatever. If someone did smash it, you know, screw them for ruining their property. I guess. Was this a big drive-in? Yeah, the the screen is huge. Um, I, I'd say it's like four times as big as the 88 screen. Wow. Like it almost comes off like a little bit off of like the height of a person and then into the sky. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one screen and um, yeah, it's pretty big. Maybe I'll post I'll post a picture of it on our, our Instagram feed. Um, yeah. And then I, uh, there was actually a, a theater uh, indoor theater in Sterling in, in the town that was actually open and they were playing Sing and Irresistible which I thought was pretty cool. Nice. I, didn't, I didn't think that was a thing. The indoor theaters were open at yeah, all. Well, yeah, I think I was reading that there's like 30% open over the all over the country. Yeah. Um, I read a whole article about there's a chain in um, Texas that's not the Alamo but they're kind of uh, specialty like that as well and they've been open for a while. Yeah, like we have a movie tavern here. Like that's mm-hmm. like the other one. Yeah. Or Cinnabar. Uh I guess also with two movies it's like easier to manage. Oh yeah. Yeah. Audiences. So yeah. And then the the last day I just spent uh driving around the Chicago suburbs looking for vintage ninja turtle figures and found some cool stuff. And on the way home I saw a car spin out in front of me and drive into the ditch and flip onto the highway. Yeah, I saw that, that picture. Was, that was intense. Uh but the people in the car were totally fine. So good for them. Cars are really safe now. They're meant to do that. Yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, yeah. So that was my adventure. Hey, Brad, what's happening around Denver this weekend? Or this week? Can we see movies at the drive-in? You absolutely can. And I will give you three locations, three drive-ins to see movies at from now on because, you know, we have so so little to choose from. Why, yeah. not, get, why not give all your options? Uh, you know, I, I still love the 88, but, you know, we're in, we're in different times. So uh, if you can't make the 88 shows, like starting Friday, July 17th, uh, they are also doing Beauty and the Beast, Iron Man, and Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, cool. So Day for two, leave for the piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan will be leaving early from the drive-in after as soon as Iron Man's done. That's right. Or I can just watch those movies at home and save myself $10 or whatever. Or you can go out and explore the world and have fun, Corinne. Or you can let a family business die. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they get some better movies playing, I'll go. Iron Man's awesome. good. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair. Iron Man is good. But it's not worth sitting through a two-and-a-half-hour Beauty and the Beast for. Again, no. again, Corinne, Ian McKellen wishes to be changed back into the clock. <laughs> it's amazing. I'd rather watch the animated one. That's yep. You don't have to show shorter and better. You don't have to show up for Beauty and the Beast. You can, you know, take your chances and show up late and hope that they have spots and you can just start at Iron Man and leave at Iron Man. Yeah, but I could just watch it at home and not have to worry about anything. Wow. See, if they had the one, if they had like Iron Man and Empire Strikes Back, it'd totally be worth it. That would be a great double feature, but 
sadly those are two separate venues i know i'm just saying they need to combine their strength yeah is beat the beast and iron man is iron man still paramount or like no. totally disney disney, it's disney now yeah so it's disney disney sony yeah yeah interesting anyway uh yeah so disregard my statement earlier uh that is the new lineup starting Friday the 17th. Uh, there's also a even closer drive-in, I-25 and 58th, called the Denver Mart Drive-In. And yeah. I was going to say that they are showing Beauty and the Beast and Iron Man uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but Friday and Saturday are already sold out, so Sunday is your best chance to watch those. Is it the animated Beauty and the Beast or live action? Live action. Uh, Still a good movie, though. Dan yeah. Stevens is... It's a, a good bit. movie, Corinne. Yeah, but is it worth going to see in the drive-in? I mean, it's on Disney Plus. So I could just watch it here. Yeah, but do you get the same experience on Disney Plus? False. I will say you do I get to watch Ian McKellen. You do get to watch Ian McKellen want to be changed back at the end of that movie, and it is hilarious. Right. <laughs> the the Denver Mart drive-in is a bit uh, expensive. So yeah, fourteen it's, bucks for the two movies, right? It actually says 10 to 60, so I think they're doing, based on where you park, <laughs> okay. premium charges. Let's see. Oh, no. It's how many It's how many people. Okay, I was going to say, yeah. at least the one that I always went to in Wichita as a kid, they charged you per vehicle, so you could cram as many people as you wanted in there. Yeah. Uh, the 88 does per person, um, and you, you can do that like at their own box office. They don't have an online system. Denver Mart has an online system, and that's why uh, an online-only system. So that's why it's ten to sixty. Is you have to pick the quantity of people there. So that's pretty cool. And actually, I'm looking ahead here. Uh, the weekend after that, they've got Jurassic Park and Jaws as their double feature. Oh shit! And then the weekend after that, I'm gonna have to do because it's ET and Back to the Future. Wow! So they should awesome. charge premium. That's some good movies there. Something for yeah. James and something for you. And then lastly, the Holiday Inn drive-in uh, up in Fort Collins has on screen one Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back and Spaceballs, <laughs> which I already have my tickets for tomorrow. Nice. And then their second screen is Wonder Woman and then Black Panther. So Nice. If you didn't get to see Wonder Woman in the drive-in when it came out or Black Panther, this is your chance to do that again. Sweet. And they uh, they have online ticketing for food and tickets, so check that out at Holiday Twin. That's what's going on around town. Cool. Let's unspool some movie news. It's real news. Well, uh. Uh, correct that we don't have any open movie theater chains, at least in our area, other than the drive-ins. Uh, and AMC has now uh, reached a new dead Zach, agreement. Wait. Do you hear that? What is it? I I swear I hear stalking happening. We are no. being interrupted by breaking news. Oh shit! Oh shit! Later. Oh shit! Oh shit! There is a 16-disc Ultimate Friday the 13th edition. Coming out from Scream Factory. Ryan, are you okay? I heard Siren Head. Yeah. No, that's my kid being weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he's so goofy. Um, as long but, as you're yes. safe. Uh, Brad, go ahead and underlay the 
Mama under this. Thanks. As I decided I was going to interrupt Zach during this podcast to tell him that um, a beautiful box set is coming out with really cool um, art. A beautiful one. And um, And I was really concerned about getting it because when they announced it, they're doing uh, 1,313 of the limited editions and those sold out in less than an hour. And so they upped it up to 7,000 for that. But I don't know if they're still going to have only 13,000 of them. Um, I know Halloween, um, when it came out, sold out like that too, uh, the limited edition stuff. So that's just for uh, for pre-order though. So they might produce them after the fact. Yeah, that's what they they did that for Halloween. I think Halloween had, I think 12,000 or something. And then they just blew through that. And so then they produced more. And And they they still have to fulfill for like vendors like Amazon and Zappy and stuff. And I don't know how much they set aside for that because all that stuff's licensed. So I'm guessing when they went to, you know, Warner Brothers and Paramount, they said, hey, we're going to make 13,000 of these. And then they saw the feedback and they probably had to pay more money to license them some more. So, yeah, well, but, but I'm not surprised. You know, the one thing about Friday the 13th fans is they're pretty vocal and they usually buy the stuff out. Um, every time there's a Jason action figure, he sells out. And then you always catch the Freddy ones at like Twist and Shout discounted. Um, yeah, the bo- so we know who won. <laughs> yeah. The box that the that you have already that came out a few years ago. Like, what was the price point of that? And like, did that sell out or just go out I of think print? It, yeah, I yes, I think it was a hundred dollars. Um, if I remember right, I, I mean, oh, I was like two thousand and ten, two thousand and eleven. I don't remember when it came out. I think it was eleven. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, what was cool about that was it kind of came with like a little mini version of Crystal Lake Memories. Um, it had a Camp Crystal Lake patch. Um, and it came with glasses to watch the 3D version of part three in 3D. Yeah. Um, but it was the red and blue, so it really wasn't true 3D. But this release is going to have true 3D Friday the 13th part three. Yeah. Um, 4K scans of most of the films. Um, That's kind of a bummer. Jason, like, yeah, like... Jason Goes to Hell gets a new 2K scan, but there's like three in the middle that don't get it. My guess is because they also said they haven't announced the rest of those um features that maybe they are working on them um but they also said in the release they're still working on the stuff because of covid and um, trying to figure out how they're going to do it yeah i had a theory that possibly the reason we didn't we don't have scans for the remainder of them is because they might have been working on that when covid shut shit down so maybe yeah that and i mean if you talk well you can't talk to Beekler anymore he's dead but um the director of part seven said that paramount didn't give a shit about the movies so all the extended gore and um, from part seven, which you can see, but it's on VHS quality video. Uh, those camera negatives don't exist anymore unless right. they're able to find them. Um, but as far as he knew, they don't exist. They might because try to upload what's available though. They could, yeah. It, it'll yeah, look crappy in the, yeah. And they just, they would disclaim that up front, I'm assuming. So. Oh yeah. Um, so looking at the special features, they have a, a lot of new commentaries so far, a couple other interviews, and uh, they're porting over, I think, almost all the special features from the previous set. So, yeah. If you missed yeah. out, don't spend the five hundred dollars that set is selling for on oh, eBay. Yeah. 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 No. Go. Go for this one, guys. Um, Although yeah, I do I mean, enjoy the compactness of it. Yeah. Yeah. This one is going to take up a lot of shelf space, I think. Yeah. But but it's worth it. It looks beautiful. Oh, yeah, no. It looks no. I mean the the new commissioned art is awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> it, it's far away from what I predicted on, on our text thread. Where I was like, oh, it should and, just be Earl of Crystal Lake. <laughs> and I will point out, I did send Zach a text message about this last week where I yeah. was hearing <laughs> rumblings about a Friday the 13th box set from Scream. Uh, and and I don't, I'm not going to reveal my sources on on the podcast, but I have it on good authority when that stuff yeah. comes out. I, uh, I I texted him this morning after after the news broke, and I was like, "You're a fucking soothsayer. <laughs> like, what else do you fucking know?" <laughs> I know what I'm saying, man. You, when it comes to horror films, oh yeah, you you know you you've, you know your you know your people. You know, well, your I mean, the real reason is um, they. Uh, last week, Scream posted, said, hey, we're going to do our announcements next week because they usually do it for Comic-Con. Yeah. So we're going to do our announcements next week. And on their thread, people were saying, uh, you know, asking for movies. And they said, well, we don't have the rights to that one. And they were responding to everybody, except for the people that said, you should do Friday the 13th. Yeah. They did not respond to that at all. I so, and I said, I think this is what's going to happen. And you heard rumblings from old cast members saying they did new special features. Um, yeah, yeah. That that yeah. new that particular piece of news came out a couple months ago, but I yeah. just assumed that Warner's and Paramount were doing something else again. So yeah, and it's you know I, I was talking to Zach too. I thought they couldn't release anything because the legal battle it's been under. But I guess maybe because the movies are already made, it's not technically new stuff. Yeah, I and think you're that, producing special features separately. Yeah. So it's just people's opinions about the movies. So I'm guessing that that's why it's okay. I have no idea. Because it's probably like Red Shirt Media doing the, the bonus interviews that they're going to do and any extra commentaries that they're going to be doing. And I, yeah. I, I, I pointed out that, like, because, like, one, because everything's already has some form of streaming distribution at this point. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's a – given what Paramount's going through right now with um, their releases and Warner Brothers with their releases, combined with the lawsuit – Scream Factory's already been establishing relationships with Warner Brothers, and they recently did it with Paramount for Let's Scare Jessica to Death and yeah. um, Pet Cemetery 2. So they were able to probably establish it and be like, look, like... And look tell what some we the dark did. side's coming out from them. Um, yeah, exactly. So, and they know they put out quality stuff. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's... You know, and if I was Victor Miller, dude, why don't you just take like $20 million? He's 80 years old. Just take 20 million bucks... And let them make the fucking movies. Who cares? It's the principle of the thing. I tell you the principle of the thing. <laughs> this lawsuit's got a death curse. <laughs> <laughs> but they're also, uh, they announced two other ones. I'm sure they're going to, or three. I'm sure they're going to have more stuff. They have steel books of Pumpkinhead, Motel Hell, <laughs> which is a great steel book. Yeah. Those will have new 4K scans. And then uh, they're releasing Terror in the Isles, which is. Which- uh, I'm excited about Friday the 13th, obviously, but I have never seen Terror in the Isle, and I read the description. I was like, oh, Donald Pleasance is going to introduce a bunch of random clips. I'm on board. Yeah, it's like a documentary <laughs> just showing people getting killed. Oh, I used dude, to rent it from Blockbuster. I, I, I used to rent that, and um, I think it's called Screen Greats, Volume 2 with Tom Savini. Ooh. And uh, I always wanted that to show up on a, like one of his like movies he did. That's how you know Scream Factory does care, is because they will put out like the, the, the very obscure shit like that. yeah. And like, I, I'm I'm excited to see what kind of special features would be on Terror from the Owl because I do want to know what the story behind that is. Yeah, we'll um, see. I don't know. Sometimes those ones, because they use the theater key art, those ones might just be, they're no bonus feature ones. Right. 
Which pop up every once in a while. Yeah, it said extras to be revealed, so I'm guessing at the bare minimum. Oh, so yeah, then they probably have some working. Yeah, so like at the bare minimum, we get like a a featurette or an interview or a commentary, one or 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 all three. Well, they might get a film historian, I'm sure. That'd be an interesting one to do. Get me. I've never seen it, but I'll I'll talk about Donald Pleasance every day. Um, But yeah, on that (laughs) pre-order, on that pre-order, you also, if you get it through the site, you do get exclusive art. Um, which looks badass. So, I think my favorite thing about the whole set is that they're able to use the original key art from the posters. Is you know because like yeah. the set Ryan has, you know, they changed the font and it's very kind of minimalist. You know, revised for the like yeah. the DVD versions. Um, so it, yeah, it's like part of what's amazing about this franchise is that art. So, oh, no, I agree. Glad to see it back. Me and who too. knows what their reversible versions of some of these might be. Yeah, I'm interested to see oh, yeah. too. I mean, there, there's no reversibles on the Halloween ones, except no. for the individual releases that they did prior to the box. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. Movie. They they might go. They might pull the full stops for it because, like, as much as I hate to admit it, Friday the Thirteenth is ten times more popular than Halloween. And I, <laughs> they're not better movies; um, they're just more fun. Now, yeah. Scream Factory, if you're listening, you have a now you have a relationship with Warner Brothers and New Line. It's time to release. Nightmare on Elm Street. I was, I, I was bringing it up to Brad. That's a possibility. The only catch is, is that they'd be double dipping on Freddy versus Jason, but I think they also wouldn't give a shit. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I want to see that. I want those three giants with the Scream logo in each spine on my well, What they should do on the Friday the 13th one is have a new interview with Ken Kersinger, who plays Jason, and then on the Nightmare on Elm Street, have one with Robert England. So when you get them, you at least have different bonus features. Oh, see, that's how they get you. <laughs> Hire me, Scream Factory. I can do this all day long. They should also have, uh, they should also have Scream Factory finally uh, do a sweet Star Trek set. Or, or Shout, they, yeah. Or no, shout. They, Scream Factory might. I mean, they do sci-fi all the time. Yeah. The, they, they, they never ported like the amazing director's cuts, uh, except for the second one, to Blu-ray so hmm. from the DVDs. So it'd be nice to get... Especially all those yeah. other ones, like five and six remastered. So, because re- six oh, looks yeah. not great on Blu ray. Yeah. And Motion Picture needs to have some updates done on its VFX plates, if possible. I have no idea if that's possible with the condition of that film. But Have you seen the DVD Director's Cut version? Because I think that, that's what exactly what we're talking about, but they haven't ported it to Blu ray. Yeah. No, so I've it's, seen it's been it. done. I've yeah. seen it before, but the last version that I saw on Blu ray, which is not the Director's Cut, yeah. um, is the. Um, uh, it, the VFX plates look a little off, um, and I, it's, I feel like there's something that they didn't fix that they could have fixed. But I could be wrong because VFX plates are hard to remaster sometimes if you don't have all the elements. So, well, when we get to what we've been watching, I'll talk about an amazing restoration process. Hell yeah, you will on a Blu-ray that was quite um, lovely. But yeah, um, so yeah, that's the breaking news. We'll go back to our regular news already in progress. Thank you, Ryan. Um, you got it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just very happy for you. You'd have no idea how happy I am for well, you that this is like, happening. That they've put out Army of Darkness and Friday the 13th. Yeah. It's like everything about, I mean, I have a lot of Screen Factory Blu-rays, obviously, but they just make stuff for me and it makes me so happy. Now you know how I felt when they put out In the Mouth of Madness. I was like, get the fuck out of town. (laughs) You got that? (laughs) That's my second favorite Carpenter film. Oh, God. God. We need to get James to see it, because it's one I think he will genuinely. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, no, on to regular news. Um, as I was alluding to before our um, amazing announcement, um, this sad announcement comes as uh, AMC Theaters, uh, it's, it's reaching a new agreement with its, uh, with the debt that it's going to claim to stay afloat through 2021. So under this deal, uh, a group called Silver Lake Group will be purchasing $100 million of first lien notes, uh, adding $600 million in convertible bonds that it already holds with AMC. So basically, they're going to stay afloat for now. Um, what, what happens going forward will be depending on anything reopening. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I really hope that they don't tumble. And here's uh, our weekly uh, reminder to wear your fucking mask yeah, so you can get this shit mask. over with. If Tom Hanks can do it, so you, can you people. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Haynes has a, like a five pack of masks, like just black. I'm going to put our logo on. Nice. Hey, hey guys, if, you, if you're having trouble deciding if you want to wear a mask, just remember, Jason Voorhees wears a mask. That's right. Um, and if yes, you don't, so does my be, don't be like a psychotic killer, though. Be like a hero. Be Spider-Man and wear your mask. Spider-Man that's wears okay, the whole that's mask. That's yeah, it's a not a good analogy because, right. yeah, Voorhees kills people when he wears a mask. <laughs> I, guess, I guess my idea for Leatherface is out then. Fine, whatever. Nobody I likes think, my ideas. <laughs> I think my mom and I were talking about it, and she said something about how like Batman wears a mask, and I'm like, yeah, but it specifically doesn't cover his mouth or nose, or at least like, his nostrils. So I'm like, no, don't be like yeah. Batman. <laughs> be like Spider-Man. It covers his entire face. It's not what I have over my face, but what I do that defines me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, fits. you know it's funny speaking of batman corinne um if you recall a couple weeks ago we lost joel schumacher r.i.p um he made a movie called batman forever and apparently there's a 170 170 minute cut that is much darker <laughs> i don't know if i can sit through 170 minutes of that movie here's the thing we already we already set this world up where we can get the snyder cut all bets are off. I want the Schumacher cut, which now here's the other key thing is, is that would Schumacher want it out? <laughs> like, um, I, I can't find an interview where he says, I want this cut out. So you have um, to dig. Like I said, he, uh, when he passed last, we talked about him. I love that. He's really honest. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. So, those, those BTS things on the two discs of Batman and Robin and Batman forever. He's very open about what the yeah. production of those films were. Yeah. Um, but it seems like Batman Forever is obviously the one he had a little bit more passion within compared to Batman and Robin. Um, and then we'll move on from Batman and Robin to another franchise called Fast and Furious. Um, seems like Ludacris is hinting that Furious 9 is going to be in fucking space. <laughs> and uh, I think we've predicted for years that this franchise would go to space. And now it seems like Ludacris is just saying, yeah, man, they're going to fucking space. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, he said, I will say that the one that was supposed to come out this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I, there have uh, been so many of them. I lost track. I lost count. Yeah. It, Just know the rocks in five, six, seven, eight and, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. And that's something you need to worry about. Um, I, I, I will say that, uh, the, he, the, basically the question come up about how far they could go, would they possibly go to space? And, Ludacris responded, I will say that you are very intuitive because you said something right, but I'm not going to give it away. So not only is Ludacris basically admitting it, but he's teasing us about it. <laughs> so good on you, Ludacris. Uh, get back to your quarantine zone. Um, uh, stay safe, Ludacris. 
uh, we're getting a Chicken Run sequel. I don't know if that was talked about on the last show at all. Um, but uh, apparently the original voice of Ginger, um, Julia Sa- Saala, Salaha, I do not know how to pronounce her name, Jesus. Uh, but apparently she's being replaced as the voice of Ginger because her voice sounds too old. Um, so another instance of ageism in Hollywood, um, which is completely unwarranted. Um, it sounds like they're also make, using that decision to not use Mel Gibson, which, um, okay, that's a reason. Um, <laughs> um, I, I guess that makes sense. Um, and uh, we'll move on to, there was a movie shot in quarantine by the badass John David Washington of Black Klansman and Tenet fame, or soon to be Tenet fame, uh, and Zendaya from Spider-Man uh, Homecoming and Far From Home. They made a marriage st- story style movie in quarantine um, created by the people who developed the show Euphoria on HBO. Um, so we can look forward to something interesting coming from those two. I would love to see what a movie with big Hollywood stars in quarantine looks like. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see here. We've, uh, we were pounded, pounded with some horrible delays. Some horrible delays, guys. Um, amongst other things, Universal is shifting the releases of Candyman and The Forever Purge, um, which is, a, that's a title that I, I'm giggling at all the time. Um, I didn't even the, know another Purge was coming out until they delayed it. <laughs> it's, hey, it's not just a Purge, Ryan. It's The Forever Purge. <laughs> it, gotcha. it'll, it'll go on forever and ever and ever. Stay um, tuned. At some point in, during Blueberry, I will be watching every single Purge film. I've only, seen the, first, I've only seen the first one. But you have all three. But I have all three. Okay. Oh, wait. Actually, there is a fourth one, the, the, the first Purge or something like that. Oh, that's um, right. Well, when it's $5 at Second and Charles, I'll get it. Like the okay. other ones. I'll, I'll be on the lookout. I'll, I'll, hold, <laughs> okay. you, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> um, but the, the, the saddest news of these shifting releases is that um, we're now going to talk about my franchise and how it's disappointing me, whereas Ryan's franchise is amazing him. Um, Halloween Kills is being delayed until 2021. And um, when I heard this news, I shouted up, ah! Um, but the good news is we got a teaser for Halloween Kills, about 30, it's like 15, 20 seconds, um, showing the house from Halloween uh, to 2018 burning to the ground, and then paramedics and firefighters are, uh, rushing the opposite way as Lori and her family are being driven off the other way, and Lori yelling out, let it burn, let it burn, and I fucking lost my shit. It sounds great. I can't wait. Um, but yeah, so unfortunately, we will have to wait for Candyman and The Forever Purge and Halloween Kills. Um, and then lastly, we got hit with a slew of deaths, <laughs> um, as if Carl Reiner's death wasn't enough last week. Um, I'll go through it. We recently found out today that the body of Naya Rivera from Glee um, has been found. Uh, she disappeared um, after uh, being out with her son on a boat, and uh, she's, uh, her body was found in the, um, in, the, um, in the Lake Peru near Santa Clarita, California. She's dead at 33 I didn't watch Glee. Does anybody here know what she was, um, who she played in Glee? <clears throat> She's a cheerleader. My wife watched it, but I don't remember anything about her performance. My wife does. Okay. I, I was never a, a Gleek. A Gleek. Yeah, that's right. That is a term for that show. But yeah, no, it, it's still a shame. Like, it, it's very oh, sad. Yeah. Apparently her son was found abandoned as a result of it. Like, and then that, that's when the search began. But yeah, 33, um, Miss Rivera will, will be missed. Um, this came out yesterday is that Kelly Preston passed away of breast cancer at the age of 57. Um, 
Kelly Preston, um, obviously an actress um, who was in films like Admirer, Space Camp, and Twins, um, Jerry Maguire. I love her introduction in Jerry Maguire because when Renee Zellweger meets Tom Cruise's Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. and he's all charming and everything, and she said, man, I bet the lady that's married to him is some classy woman. And it immediately quick cuts to her screaming, don't stop fucking me. <laughs> and then after that, uh, she goes, don't listen to these guys. You're not a loser. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Who's anything about being a loser? She's amazing in that movie. Yeah. Um, and she was also in For the Love of the Game, which she, she's good. Oh, yeah. she's great in that. She's, a, she's one of those actresses that I love seeing her in stuff, but she should have been in more things. Yeah. Um, I don't know I, if she I, just decided to spend more time with her family or – which is a legit reason. I know their son oh, yeah. passed away. Yeah, Dakota. Um, was it Dakota or like, Jet, Jet, no, Jet, Jet, yeah, JetBlue? But he was yeah. only seventeen from a seizure, and so then yeah. they had another son when she was forty-eight, and so maybe she just decided to spend more time at home, and that's cool too. Yeah, exactly. she's, she's always nice. I always loved seeing her in interviews. Yeah, um, she's fun in movies. Yeah, her, her husband. Her, her husband, by the way, was John Travolta. And one of the last films she was in was John Travolta's uh, um, gut film, which we, we Brad and Henry and I saw. And, you know, like, obviously I've had my thoughts on the film, but like, she's not bad in it. And, and frankly, neither is really Travolta. It's just that the film's kind of terribly directed, but you broke up uh, what film. Gotti. She was in uh. Gotti. It was the last time she played Gotti's wife in the movie. Um, like she's diagnosed with breast cancer just two years ago, man. That's sad. Yeah, it, it, was this like news revealed two years ago? Because I don't remember hearing about it at all. I don't remember hearing it at all. In fact, I think she passed away on Saturday or something, and they didn't even announce it for a few days. So I think she kind of kept it under wraps. And and she was married to John Travolta for twenty nine years. That's, I know. So it's a hell of a marriage, man. That's a, uh, yeah. You you know they always seemed happy. So that's a bummer because yeah. she seems like such a nice lady. Yeah, and Travolta, answer, man. And Travolta's post, post on Facebook was very heartfelt. He thanked all the doctors and everybody who was attending yeah. her. So, you know, yeah, a 57. Kelly Preston, you will be missed. Uh, I think, the I, weirdly, I think the first movie I saw her in was The Cat in the Hat, um, which she's good in that movie. Let's, yeah. let's talk about the Mine rest definitely of was Twins because my dad loves that movie. He used to rent it all the time from Blockbuster. I haven't watched it in a while. Is it, is it worth rewatching? Okay. Okay. That, that's good to know. I know they were trying to do triplets for years with Eddie Murphy, and you know, there's a part of me that wants that. Me too. Uh, I don't think anything but, Schwarzenegger. But the last death um, hit me the hardest. Um, cue, uh, cue a little bit of uh, desert-ridden music because Ennio Morricone passed away at the age of 91. Uh, the legendary composer of uh, the Dollars trilogy. Um, pretty much a, a, the majority of any spaghetti western you ever saw in your life. Um, if you've watched a Quentin Tarantino movie, you've heard Morricone music in it. Doesn't matter. Like the the amount of influence that his work has had on in a generation of uh, of filmmakers and film lovers is can't be understated. I said I said this when he died. Is is that I think there's only one other composer living right now that has the recognizability when you hear his music uh, that Morricone did, and that'd probably be John Williams. Um, because he literally made a, he made music that defined the West for an entire generation. And frankly, like you can't go into a Western parody or a Western movie of any type now without feeling some Mor- Morricone influence or wanting to go, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. So, um, but he also did other scores for 
um, things like John Carpenter's The Thing. He he doesn't, uh, not all of his music was used for that film. There was a lot of that, that Carpenter refashioned into tones, but Morricone's music is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also did the theme for, and the music for Brian De Palma's The Untouchables, which is a great score. Um, I think you and, can put uh, uh, Hans Zimmer in there because like every movie uses his bombastic drums now, even if it's not him. Okay, that's that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. That's fair. But he's not as he he hasn't hit legend status yet. Give him time. Um, and then, um, but yeah, the last film, one of the last films that he scored, um, not the last, but one of the last was The Hateful Eight, which he finally won his uh, competitive Academy Award for. And uh, the first time I heard Morricone's music was in Kill Bill Volume Two, Volumes One, and then I also heard a, I really got into it in Volume Two. Um, and so. Yeah, it's 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 nice that you know Quentin Tarantino was able to pay him back for all the music he used by getting him an Oscar. <laughs> um, so yeah, but um, uh, big big old bucket of win for that guy. He w- he will definitely be missed. Um, he changed an entire realm of music for a genre film period. So, and that is news. Um, unless you have another box set that you're aware of that I'm not yeah. aware of. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a retraction. You got a retraction. Yeah, uh, I guess there is a Ninja Turtles uh, movie in the works that we didn't talk about. Uh, a movie or a show? Because the show was the one that we... Uh... No, it's a, it's a movie. Uh, I mean, it's an animated movie. But it's, it's being produced by... Uh, hey, Seth Rogen, uh, do you have time to be on our podcast? Yeah, I can't do his voice <laughs> at all. All right, see ya. Thanks for coming by. <laughs> oh my God, I love some turtles! <laughs> yeah i don't know that's it's that's interesting um not sure how those two things came together but uh okay danny mcbride made halloween you never know if you're a fan of it maybe it'll turn out good and chris rock made a saw movie we haven't seen it okay. yet but he made a saw movie called spiral um i just hope rogan doesn't use one of the turtle shells to smoke out of that's the only <laughs> thing i'm worried about <laughs> you know the, the good thing- voice for, uh, michelangelo the only thing, yeah, I guess Michelangelo wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> the only thing green missing from these movies is weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's a thing. I just wanted to mention that because like two weeks ago I said like this is bullshit and it's not going to happen. Uh, so, <laughs> so, someone's, I mean, the the last Ronan thing I guess is false, you know, being adapted. But even Kevin Eastman said, yeah, there's no movie in the works, so cool your jets. <laughs> And uh, I guess there is one. So what does he know? Well, that or he couldn't announce it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it, the information was wrong. Is yeah, there is a movie. It's just the wrong people. After so. saying "cool your jets," Kevin Eastman then said, "Don't have a cow, man." <laughs> yeah, that was me. I he did not say that. That's that's me. <laughs> Cowabunga! Yeah, well, that is. I mean, that would fit him because it's the franchise. Um, cool. Yeah, that's news. Blu-rays are coming out next week. What do we got, Zach? DVD releases and Blu-rays. Obviously nothing new, um, like in terms of a a release from this year. Um, But uh, that does not stop the Blu-ray machine from a rolling. Um, uh, The Shout Selects is putting out The Missing from 2003. um, I ordered that. (laughs) I haven't watched it in a long-ass time, but uh, I remember it being... 
better than I uh, than than like I, I don't know. It just I feel I felt like it was better than it was anticipated to be every time I read a review for it. But I've never seen it, but it's part of my Kate watch. So I I have a missing story. Um, I was at a restaurant with my family in New Mexico the year that they were uh, filming that movie, and Ron Howard and his wife were uh, at a table across from us. And my dad was trying to get me to go up and talk to Ron Howard. And my mom said, no, no, don't do that. Don't bother them at dinner. And then I let, I let Richie Cunningham slip through my fingers, guys. Way to and go. That's, and that's why one day I will meet Ron Howard and say, do you remember a little boy sitting in the restaurant crying? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so The Missing. Check it out if you want to see it. Tommy Lee Jones is good in it, too. Um, Scream Factory, who we've talked about a bunch on this show already, is putting out The Kiss of the Vampire from 1963. Um, and uh, looks like this This looks uh, pretty sexy. It's a lady vampire about to attack a, a sexy dude. So there you yeah, go. Uh, it's an old Hammer film. That's what I figured with the artwork, because this is consistent with all the other Hammer releases they've been doing. Which I haven't seen. I've seen some Hammer stuff. I haven't seen it all, but I love some of their titles. I mean, my favorite I got on Warner Archive, it's Taste the Blood of Dracula. Mm-hmm. I just love those gothic over, like over, I don't even know, over-explained titles. Because there's also ones called Scream, Dracula Scream. Yeah. I love those titles. Yeah, no, the, yeah. The, the, like the... the it's just the hammer knew how to extend the universal series in terms of its audacious. (laughs) And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of bright ass blood in those movies. It's like Tim, Tim Burton really likes using those in his movies like that. That's what sleepy hollow pretty much is, uh, is a hammer. movie. Oh yeah. That's a hundred percent a hammer film. Yeah. And, and Sweeney Todd to a certain extent, although obviously it's other things, (laughs) but, um, Criterion's got a bunch of stuff coming out. Um, the biggest of which, obviously, is Bruce Lee, his greatest hits. Um, this is a collection. I, and Shout had, Shout had Bruce Lee titles for the longest time. Um, but you will be able to get The Big Boss, Fist of Fury, The Way of the Dragon, Enter the Dragon, and Game of Death. Game of Death 2? Yeah, or no, it's just Game of Death. Yeah. So, yeah, you're getting, you're getting five Bruce Lee classics. Enter the Dragon being on Criterion is something that probably should have happened on its own merits, not even just a collection. So, but I'm glad that we're putting they're putting that out. Uh, Preston Sturgis movie called The Lady Eve uh, with Barbara Stanwyck and Henry Fonda from 1941 is coming out. I've never seen this. Ryan, have you seen this? No, I like Preston Sturgis a lot though. He did uh, Sullivan's Travels, which is a great movie. Yep, yep, and inspired a movie that we reviewed a few weeks ago, and it's uh, the Preston Sturgis legacy lives on. Um, Paramount is re-releasing Clueless in a 25th anniversary edition. This is part of their, uh, is this part of their Paramount Classics thing, or is this something completely different, Ryan? I have no idea. No, oh, that's interesting. Well, yeah. Uh, I As if. Seen, I haven't seen Clueless in a long-ass time, so yeah, <laughs> thank you for quoting <laughs> Clueless. That's also the movie where Paul Rudd became Paul Rudd, because <laughs> in another movie that year, he was credited as Paul Stephen Rudd. Does anybody know what that movie was? Mac and me. No, I don't know. Nope. Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers, Ryan. See? That's right. Yeah, that's right. He did play Tommy. He did play uh, Tommy Doyle that one time. Um, and then it looks like uh, Kino Lober is putting out a lot of comedies. Um, uh, they are putting out uh, Pale Face uh, with Bob Hope and Jane Russell, which is a good movie. It has uh, it's uh, give us the Academy Award winning song Buttons and Bows. Uh, and W.C. Fields' film, Never Give a Sucker an Even Break, which I hope this is the first of many because I would like You Can't Cheat an Honest Man on Blu-ray because that features W.C. Fields fighting with Charlie McCarthy, the dummy. 
Um, and I lied. There is a new release coming out. The movie, the movie that saved movie theaters, or at least drive-ins, Bloodshot, <laughs> is coming to 4K. Uh, so you can you don't have to go to the drive-in guys now. Now you can just get it at home. Uh, and then uh, yeah, looks like that is it. Cool. Uh, we watch movies throughout the week, and what we've been watching. So uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. And like always, my Brady Bunch checkered board up here has Corinne at the top. Corinne, what did you watch this week? So this last weekend, I actually went home to see my family and watched. That's not a movie. Some, <laughs> some stuff with them. So Snuff my. Films? What? Snuff films? Sorry, what? Connection is really bad. No. Um, so my dad for his birthday wanted me to get Ford V Ferrari cause he nice. didn't get around to seeing it in the theaters. Nice. So he's like, I won't watch it until you're home next time. So he waited like four or five months to watch it with me. So we finally uh-huh. got to sit down and watch Ford V Ferrari and he really enjoyed it. But he was like, damn, I wish I'd have seen it in the theater. And I'm like, yeah, it was pretty great to see it in the theater. <laughs> yeah. The sound design, it can't be replicated at home. It's a shame. It is. I still feel like it's a long movie. And I do feel like that first act is a little jumbled in terms of, like, it feels more like the ensemble piece that they wrote it to be initially. But it really picks up more in, like, the second and third act. Like, once... You know, Carol Shelby is kind of forming his team and you get introduced to like Ken Miles and he comes aboard and he starts driving the car. I think that's when it picks up momentum. I get like you have to do the whole first part because you're setting up the the uh, rivalry between Ford and Ferrari. And my dad loved the scene where uh, Henry Ford II hears about what Enzo Ferrari said about him. And he's like, we're going to you know, bury that guy 10 feet under the asphalt at Le Mans or something. And he said a racist like, term was, too, but yeah. Yeah, he did. And <laughs> I was like, I, I don't, I've never heard that word before, but I'm like, it sounds bad. Yeah. Watch, watch the Godfather movies. <laughs> Comes up a bit. Godfather movies, watch a Scorsese movie. <laughs> it's all over the place. But yeah, he also called you fat, sir. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a great movie though. Love it. It's the ultimate dad movie these days. It is. And, and I think this was like the second time I'd seen it. So <laughs> knowing, cause like the first time I watched it, I did not know what happened to Ken miles at the end. Like I didn't know that he died in real life. Um, spoilers for history, everyone. Um, so like, like watching, it, years ago. watching it the second time and kind of, like, especially that scene where he uh, gets into the accident when he's test driving the car before Le Mans. And the, you know, they pull him out and he's like got the fire retardant suit on. And that guy talks to his son about like, you know, this time, like he got out. So he was okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can see like his son has like some anxiety from that. Um, that he asks about like the brakes on the car and he keeps saying something about like, he got out this time. And, um, you know, at the end, it just makes it all the more heartbreaking when Ken Miles dies. Did you know in real life uh, he did get out because he was ejected from the car? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the movie took liberties with that. You're talking about... Well, I he, guess we didn't need to see him ejected from the car. <laughs> yeah, he, he, 
the movie it makes it seem like he died like on fire in the car but in real life i looked it up he was thrown from the car because the car disintegrated so well we don't see it we just we see like the shot of him in the car he's driving the brakes fail or something right and then you cut to a wide like a really long distance shot of just like you see a car like turning and then like boom it smashes into a hill and then like fire you know yeah, you don't see any of the crash <laughs> you see him get ejected or anything like that so we don't know exactly how he died well the movie the with crash. the whole setup from the the first crash is you know they're kind of saying like you know uh, what's his name uh, uh matt damon's number two he's like you know sometimes they don't make it out so it kind of you know they're setting up that he gets trapped in the car with that that, that thematically that scene where he's describing it to his kid is just fucking oh, heart-wrenching. Yeah. Oh, so walking away from the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, he, he got stuck in the car. That's why he died. But in reality, that didn't happen. <laughs> so yeah. I, I get it thematically. but That movie know. got 10 times better for me the second time I saw it in theaters. I, 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 it, it's a movie that I think is uh, designed to grow on you more and more each time you watch it. So really good movie. I also got to watch a couple of episodes of Community with my mom, which I've never seen Community before. <laughs> and it's, uh, I, I liked it. Like, I mean, I've, so we watched a couple, she had been watching, like, I guess the first half of season one. And so we watched a couple of episodes that were at the end of season one. So I don't really have a lot of context for the show, but I was like, it's a sitcom. Like the whole point is that you just kind of, stumble upon an episode and you just kind of pick it up based on like character archetypes and stuff and you're like this one's the dumb one this one's the the one who like is super rude all the time and this is like the sassy lady or you know whatever it is but um it it was pretty fun the i think was the second episode we yeah it was the second episode we watched was the one with the paintball war if you're familiar with that oh yeah where it's about like priority registration and it turns into like an action movie it, it was the, really fun. Those episodes, those directed those, by the Russo those, brothers. Yeah, those season finale episodes get ten times more intense action-wise the more they go on with them. Yeah, there's a whole like a uh, Dawn of the Dead one. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I I still think that the 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 Fort one is one of my favorite. Uh, oh yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's so goofy. <laughs> Don't tell me I haven't seen. I just saw those two episodes. I, I haven't watched the I, rest of the show yet. I haven't spoiled anything for you. Don't worry. Okay. Because I think I will start watching it now. I, I it had been on my Netflix queue, and then like I just I don't know started rewatching Parks and Rec and got distracted with other things. But now I'm like, all right, now that I've seen Community and I kind of get the premise, I'm even more invested. So I want to start watching it now. Good so. stuff. I also, my mom and I, um, I hadn't seen this movie since I was really little, but we watched The Adventures in Babysitting. Love that movie. <laughs> and it was kind of... that movie. Yeah. Who? Oh, or... yeah. Well, that's the thing is watching it now, I'm... I, the So the boyfriend comes to her at the very beginning of the movie, and I heard his voice, and I was like, I think that's Bradley Whitford, but he's so young. I didn't recognize him that well. I was like, I think it's Bradley Whitford. I look it up, sure enough, it's Bradley Whitford. And then I'm looking at the cast list, and it says Vincent D'Onofrio's in the movie. And I'm like, okay. So I just kept waiting for Vincent D'Onofrio to show up. And he's the guy who is, like, he's in the garage, and the little kid thinks he's Thor. 
but it totally doesn't look like him at all. So afterward, I was like, where was, who, what character was he? Oh, he was the guy who played the, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> he just didn't look like him at all. Other than I guess he was just really buff. But that was like the whole point. But, oh my gosh, that movie, whew, it, that is like anxiety, the movie right there. You you guys were talking about watching Uncut Gems, and I'm like, I need to watch Uncut Gems now. I watched Adventures in Babysitting, you guys. <laughs> just like what everything. an unusual analogy, but okay. <laughs> everything that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, of course, like the stupid best friend goes down to the bus station. She's like, I spent all my money for the cab ride here and i'm like really you didn't take extra money with you and then so she you turns and said, says and then she oh turns and says this is how i win <laughs> wait that gives you anxiety corinne don't watch uncut gems <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just like so much of this would be solved by either number one people being like not stupid or number two modern technology because of course the big thing that happens at the very beginning of the movie is that the main characters are driving to the bus station in the station wagon. The station wagon blows a tire on the side of the interstate, so they have to pull over. And, of course, they're like, don't, they don't have money. They don't have any kind of cell phone or anything. So they're just, like, at the mercy of this guy who pulls up with a tow truck. And I'm like, yeah, see, so like all this would have been solved if you just had a cell phone. But of course, this is in the 80s, so they don't have cell phones. But uh, 86, I believe. Yep. It's 87. Whatever. It's, yeah, late 80s, so they don't have cell phones. But, and it's just like every, like anything that can go wrong does go wrong. It's like the guy who gives, like the tow truck guy who gives them a ride has to like deviate to go break up his wife's affair and he like shoots at them and the car gets busted up and then they have to like run away and then they get caught in a carjacking and then they get like almost killed by some crime. It is insane. It's just like, oh my gosh, when can these kids just like not almost die every five minutes? Uh, it is 87. It's my seventh favorite film, as heard on Real Real Nerds Podcast, Film Explosion, 1987. Yeah. And, um, Corinne, if you want to see if it's updated at all in any form or fashion with that tech, you can watch the Disney Channel version that was released in 2016. Cool. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't Netflix going to do a TV series about it or something? They say they're going to do a lot of things, so I just don't listen to them anymore until they see it on my screen. <laughs> Especially. I love the Drew Struzan um, poster, and I had the biggest crush on Elizabeth Shue when I was younger. I wanted her to be my babysitter so bad. <laughs> you and every dude in this movie, which was another thing that was unsettling, is that she's 17, and she goes to the college party, and the college guys are hitting on her. And I'm like, oof, this is a little creepy, you guys. Well, I mean, how old's a college guy, 20? Oh, so, I mean, every guy in the movie pervs out on her. It's like a major plot point. <laughs> It's like, that's why the tow truck guy even, like, gives him a ride in the first place is because he thinks she's cute. She is cute. Yeah, she is. But, I mean, it's, again, it's like a plot point. None of this would have happened if she wasn't hot. True. I mean, people just drive by her, flip her off. <laughs> Pretty much. Hey, Ryan, remember that time yeah. we were in San Diego and we were just minding our own business, walking down the street, and those guys threw that soda at us? I do remember that. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so Brad and I were on our way to the convention center, just walking down the street, minding our own business. And some dudes drove by us and threw us 
soda bottle at us. They didn't yell nerd or anything? Right? No, they said, you guys are too hot to be in San Diego. So they threw... <laughs> <laughs> We're intimidated by you too, because you're so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Uh, I think that's what happened. <laughs> Your beauty outshines ours! We're jealous you got to go to San Diego Comic-Con. Are you guys in costumes? No. 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 That would have been even better if you were not. <laughs> My Thor costume is ruined forever, you guys. They threw a bunch of orange soda on it. Is that your impression of Brad? <laughs> I don't know who the hell this point of the impression of. So the last thing I watched um, this week was, well, okay. So I've said before that, obviously, you all know I'm a big Jane Austen fan, but the one book of hers I haven't read is Northanger Abbey because it's the first one she wrote. And it's kind of rough reading because, you know, she's just trying to find her voice as a writer and she's just starting out. So I decided since I was driving back and I had lots of time to kill, I would start listening to the audiobook version of it. So I got about a third of the way through so far and I got home last night and I was like, you know what? I kind of want to watch the Jane Austen book club now um, because it's. I mean, like, the sequence where they talk about Northanger Abbey is one of the more memorable parts of the movie, I think. Um, Because, so Northanger Abbey is a house, in in the novel Northanger Abbey, is a house that has, like, a lot of atmosphere and is, um, like, not, like, haunted necessarily, but it just, like, plays on the imagination of the heroine, and so a lot of things happen from that. So when in the movie, the Jane Austen Book Club, they review Northanger Abbey, Grig, uh, the guy in the book club, is hosting it at his house. And he kind of turns it into this like haunted house sort of thing whenever the other characters walk in and they get all freaked out. So it's kind of fun. And it's also very interesting to watch a movie in which the characters are commenting on Jane Austen novels. So as a As a big Jane Austen nerd, I just kind of appreciate that it's like a movie that's commenting on books that I love. When when I watch Pride and Prejudice this week, should I watch that after it and maybe maybe I'll understand it? Or is it something that... I mean, you could, I guess. They, okay. they didn't spend a lot of time on Pride and Prejudice. I really think that they, they kind of knew which of the... which of Jane Austen's books were the most popular. So they kind of spend less time on Pride and Prejudice just because more people are familiar with it and they spend more time on like Northanger Abbey, Mansfield Park, Emma, although Emma is actually, I'd say Emma is one of the more well-known ones just because of Clueless. Mm-hmm. Even if people don't know Clueless is an adaptation of Emma, they know the story, they know like the premise of mm-hmm. Emma. Like if, if they heard the premise of Emma, they'd be like, oh yeah, that's the premise, like that's Clueless, like the. You, you told me that the other the, a couple like weeks ago, and I was blown away. <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> yeah, Clueless. Hot take for you. Clueless is the best Emma adaptation that doesn't have Jeremy Northam in it. Mm-hmm. Hey Zach, what'd you watch this week? Oh, uh, fine. I guess I'm done talking about Jane Austen book club. But then <laughs> I see how it is, Ryan. Oh. I will say the ending of that movie is pretty lame. Lame. <laughs> I don't know. It just wraps up a little too neatly. Like all of a sudden, all their problems are immediately resolved. Emily Blunt's in it, so it's great. 
Yeah, she does a good job. Although, yeah, her character is problematic. Why is, her, why is her character problematic? Refresh me. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, she's a teacher who falls in love with one of her students. Oh, yeah. And almost has sex with him. Yeah, don't watch notes on a scandal. <laughs> okay, I won't. Wasn't to. Here I am! <laughs> Kate Blanchett's great in it, but she fucks her 15-year-old student. Yeah. And then she loses it on the lawn. <laughs> so, Jane Austen Book Club is fine. It's got its good moments and it's bad. Like all Jane Austen stuff. Zach? I watched everything that ever existed this week. Um, so buckle up. Uh, no, I wasn't here last week. Um, so I didn't get to talk about my Carl Reiner stories. You jerks. Um, but uh, um, Stop but, being uh, a bitch. Yeah, exactly. No, but... um. No, um, yeah, his, his, I mean, obviously 98, he was going to go at any point, at some point anyway, but like his, I rewatched a lot of the 2000 year old man bits that I could find on YouTube and on my Mel Brooks collection that I own. And, uh, just watching Reiner perform as that straight man for that routine that all those years and listening to those albums in high school, like he was one of the greatest like straight men and set up for a, a comic delivery that ever existed. Like one of his best moments of genius was just presenting issues to Mel Brooks to then be able to come up with a comedic response. And the fact that he was able to play out that banter and play it straight, like he he was a master at that. Um, And I um, rewatched some episodes of the Dick Van Dyke show and just, uh, I was trying to find specifically a lot of stuff from the first season where he was the sole writer of that season before he brought people into the writer's room and, um uh just the just the, the the charm of rob petrie has no boundaries or limits obviously as you and uh is brian and brad are f- totally aware of but i just I, I fall in love with the show and i i was saying like i'm gonna keep watching it and then prime took it off so i'm gonna bite the financial bullet and pick up the box set on amazon if it's still available um i should have done that years ago but i haven't um <clears throat> and then within the Carl Reiner realm I actually have an incomplete set of your show of shows compilations um, which are basically the the your show of shows doesn't have anything fully complete that is presentable but they have a lot of sketches and this particular set has the sketches and then interviews before and after the fact and I watched um, two that were very um, that featured Reiner and one of which was very famous which is the from here to eternity sketch that they did on your show of shows and hearing Reiner and all the other writers talk about the brilliance of that sketch. And what the, the key part of it is, is that they do the beach scene from, from here to eternity. And the joke of it is, is that the water keeps hitting them and interrupting their conversation as they're trying to profess their love to each other. And if, when you're watching it, it is incredible that Imogene Coca breaks up, but, um, and is like almost starting to on the verge of laughing, but Sid Caesar just holds it. Like he doesn't break character no matter what, like, there's a reason why Reiner and Brooks and all these guys say that Sid Caesar was a master at his profession. Um, and I also rewatched the, the documentary. If you're not in the obit eat breakfast, which Reiner developed as a, uh, um, a basically a, uh, a documentary about getting old and what you could still do in your old age. And it features people like Brooks, uh, Norman Lear, Dick Van Dyke is in it with his wife and they talk about how their relationship blossomed. And you also have people like Tony Bennett in there um, singing the theme song for it, which is the best is yet to come. 
Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's a great documentary that's on HBO Max. If you want to check it out, I would. It's not like, obviously, the it's not the, the ultimate representation of who Carl Reiner is, but it is a great reminder of how much he was still active up till the end. Um, so, yeah, that was fun visiting that memory lane. I'm going to rewatch Oh God and uh, The Jerk this week, too, because uh, I, I, Oh God was the first of his films I ever saw. But, but yeah, that's my tribute to Carl Reiner there. Um, I rewatched a lot of Marx Brothers movies. I rewatched Horse Feathers and Duck Soup. I listened to the commentary on Duck Soup with Leonard Maltin and Robert Bader. And uh, it's it's one of the most entertaining commentaries I've ever heard for a Marx Brothers movie. Because it's Leonard. They're both big super fans and they get into super debates with each other over certain uh, legitimacies of the production of that film. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a little fun to listen to. It's all friendly jabs and whatnot. Um, which actually inspired me to pick up a yeah. book called four of the three musketeers by Robert Bader. It's about their stage career. So I'm excited to read that. Um, I rewatched Ed Wood. Ed Wood's a masterpiece. It's Tim Burton's best movie. That's, it's pretty much the bar none. I mean, like it's, it's to me, it's his best movie. I know there's like Pee Wee. Yeah. And like, and I still have a torch for big fish and um, big eyes and uh, sleepy hollow, but Ed Wood is just so incredible. Rewatching it. Like I, it's in, it's astounding to me that Johnny Depp, because of how good he is in that movie, was not recognized by any awards body. Like it is, I think it. I think now we would recognize him for it, but like at the time, it must have seemed way too quirky. Like even for him, like having come off of Edward Scissorhands, but it is like one of his best performances in a movie, hands down. And Martin Landau is an eternal genius as Bela Lugosi. Like that, it <clears throat> the makeup job still works on Blu-ray. It's incredible. Um, I watched Jason X, but unfortunately I wasn't able to be on last week. Um, <clears throat> that movie's still goofy as all hell and still a hell of a lot of fun. Um, it's just Jason in space, and that's all I needed out of that movie when I first saw it. Um, getting it from the library, <laughs> if you can, it's, which is, uh, it's interesting to have that along with two other classic movies checking out from the library. The only thing I'll point out in Jason X is that uh, we only have four more years of hockey left, guys. So, uh so we better enjoy it while it lasts, guys. Um, and also, you, DVDs that are dug up amidst the rubble of uh, this dystopic future aren't worth any money in the future, guys. So all the collecting we've been doing won't make any difference. <laughs> uh, it will to us, but it won't be any monetary value. Um, and then I, um, <clears throat> I, I sat down and rewatched Psycho to talk uh, to mainly capture the things that Alma Revel contributed to it. And I'll talk more about that on Shamley Silhouette, but um, I was turning the sound on and off throughout the movie to try to see how the music would affect or not affect the scene. And like, it's the one instance where I'm like, yeah, like Hitchcock was wrong to try to take some of this score out of certain sections of the movie. Um, so thankfully that did not happen. Um, and then I rewatched the movie Murder which has screenplay credit by Alma Revel. And uh, man, I sent a link to Ryan, but Herbert Marshall, the fucking badass, if you read about him, this guy lost a leg during World War One, acted in several movies, and then helped to rehabilitate soldiers during World War Two. This motherfucker was a legend. Um, and so I'm going to, I might do some deep diving into Herbert Marshall soon. And I rewatched Marnie for the Marnie episode of Shamley. And uh, Jesus, like that, that's it. I think I, I'm still not sure if that's the best, if that's the most insane or just the worst performance Sean Connery's ever given. I think it depends on how you watch that movie. 
Um, but it's, it, I will say this, it's, it's one of the only villains he's ever gotten to play. And it's very, um, it's a very fascinating situation with Marnie. Um, and, uh, and then the, uh, the last thing that I watched was just a bunch of Dick Cavett episodes and specifically Groucho Marx interviews. And one of the best of those to watch, if you can get it on the Shout TV section of Prime, is um, Groucho's on it for the first half, and then they bring in Jim Fowler, um, who's a, a like a, you know one of those nature guys who brings out an animal, and they bring out a sloth, uh, and then they bring out Truman Capote, and in the middle of the interview, Groucho Marx proposes marriage to Truman Capote, and of course Truman Capote rejects it. But I I was digging into some old interviews with Cabot. And he said that there's a piece of that interview that they had to cut and they don't, and it no longer exists, but that apparently Groucho Marx in the episode uh, is wearing a, a golf cap with three little golf balls dressed as snowmen on top of his head. It's just something he wore. No real explanation for it. And when he proposed marriage to Truman Capote, apparently what Capote responded was, I can't marry a man who has three balls on his head. <laughs> so I got a little giggle out of that. Um, but yeah, and then that's all I watched this week, guys. Brad? Brad? Uh, yeah, I haven't watched uh, much of anything uh, this past week. I have forgotten to talk about a few things in the past week, so I'll start with Floor is Lava on Netflix. If people are watching Floor is Lava, just me. No, Kellen's watching it. It's stupid. <laughs> it is stupid. Um, I, the host seems famous from other things, but I've never heard of him before. Uh, the, sh- the show makes him out to be. Yeah, I don't know who it is either. Yeah, like like a Mark Summers level guy, but like I've never heard of him before. Um, the contestants are stupid mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, and, and pretty annoying. Uh, they're all, you know, embrace their cliches. Uh, but I, th- I think the the courses are fun, like the production design, and the you know the, their heated fluorescent lava uh, is pretty sweet. Like it's it's a show that I wish I was on more than I like watching it because <laughs> it'd be fun just to do the obstacle course. You think about that as as Double Dare when I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. Um, or Hidden Temple. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. So it's cool. Uh, it, it's it's a great thing to throw in the background when you're working. You don't have to pay attention to you know, a narrative. You know, you just have to listen to, like, stupid puns of how people fall into lava. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it is pretty funny, like, watching, like, like the army train guys stumble around through it and, and fail. <laughs> whereas, like, a bunch of nerds from, you know, just high school <laughs> managed to get across. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, uh, the better thing I watched is they brought back Unsolved Mysteries um, as a six episode um, and, and series. Yeah, six episode series. Uh, obviously, Robert Stack was not able to join, uh, but I think uh, minus with despite his absence, uh, it's still a really creepy show. Um, they re- they retooled the uh, theme song, the iconic theme song. It's less synthy and more organic. Uh, still super creepy. Most disturbing theme song I think I've ever heard in my life. If I ever rebooted Unsolved Mysteries, any missing person one, I'd always end it with Robert Stack from Basketball where he says, I still, we still have no fucking idea where this guy's. <laughs> Someone should just cut that together and put it on YouTube. A young man, his whole life in front of him disappears. 
A familiar story, yes, but this is no ordinary Joe. Joseph R. Cooper, perhaps the most loved sports figure in the country, vanished. According to Mrs. Elsie Melcher, a neighbor who asked not to be identified, Joe Cooper left his house two weeks ago. According to Angelique Bones, a nosy bitch who lives up the street, he took with him only a toothbrush, a wallet, a steamer trunk, and a plane ticket to Calcutta. Police theorized several possible scenarios of what happened with a man affectionately known to the world as Coop. Well, I don't know where the hell he is. For all I care, he could be hanging by his neck in his fucking closet. Scenario number one. He's hanging by his neck in his fucking closet. The night before his disappearance, Coop's girlfriend had paid him a visit. According to friends, they had quarreled. If you're looking for Joe Cooper, I suggest you look wherever you find the most heinous blatant and vile exploitation of children on the planet scenario number two coop went to disney world uh yeah the the first one starts with uh is a kind of a uh a whodunit uh a, a, a guy falls through the ceiling of a hotel and you know there's no clear reason why how that happened uh there's another one that is uh like entirely in subtitles because all the interviewees are French, I think. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's this uh, patriarch who murders his, his entire family and then just disappears into the, into the countryside. Uh, another one is a hairdresser um, gets abducted from her salon. Um, there's one with UFOs, uh, a bunch of people in the English countryside. I think it was. What did I no, they weren't British. Anyway, yeah, like there's a bunch of different accounts of the same event uh, this one evening about this UFO and like that's zipped around a bunch of different locations. And uh, yeah, and then there's like a hate crime in in the South. Uh, an African American gentleman goes to a party and then gets you know is found in a creek later. Uh, so I wish there was more. Um, they're really compelling, and uh, I think they're almost like an hour long each. Um, so pretty awesome not awesome that they're unsolved <laughs> I hope. shows well done the but shows... maybe you can help solve the mystery yeah like i want to solve the mystery like <laughs> i've rewatched them a couple times being like what evidence can i put together that might help solve this uh but yeah the the the, the first one with the guy falling through the uh the roof of the hotel is probably the most perplexing uh just because, like, where he landed compared to like where you could jump from, uh, and why, uh, and then there's like notes under his desk from like uh, the Freemasons uh, that they can't decipher. They might be code. Yeah, it's pretty pretty ins- insane. Uh, and then I uh, got South Park season twenty three on DVD, and you know it's more of the same. Uh, I'm really kind of over the whole Integrity Farms bit. I think it's been running for like three seasons straight. Uh, you know, the whole weed uh, growing thing is just like, okay, we get it. Like, Stan's dad is really into his weed farm. Randy Marsh, the unsung character of South Park. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then yeah, I also rewatched for the first time since the theater Ghost in the Shell, the remake, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of un- pretty much unnecessary because they don't really, story wise, do anything different um but the uh i think the cgi of some of the the cyborgs 
in androids is pretty sweet uh, especially in that opening scene where she busts into like the uh like the gang's dinner party and they have like those servant bots that turn into assassins and take people hostage like they're actually really convincing so another one that will appear later on blueberry don't know where but because i jumbled them all up so i just randomly picked the next one that's on my shelf did you get that one because you like it or i got it because wait i was asking ryan yeah oh uh the steelbook was cool and i thought what brad said the opening scene's pretty awesome i don't remember much else from it though yeah it it pretty much plays out like the anime Mm -hmm. um you know just live action um but they do more of like they turn the story more into a uh you know who was i before i was the ma- the major you know yeah uh, which is different from the the anime where it's really she never really questions her identity in the anime so um you know it's that it's that appealing to american audiences by having like the self as the as the hero and trying to explore the self mm-hmm. so um and then also more with the uh the villain like i don't think he's a physical person in the anime like he is in the in this live action version so they figured american audiences need to see someone actually on screen instead of the fabled internet bad guy so but yeah i I bought it too because the steelbook was awesome yeah steelbook's awesome so uh yeah that's all i watched uh yeah um just a few things uh scoob exclamation mark is streaming on hbo max and henry warned us about this film and i said you know what kellen likes scooby-doo let's watch it so i'm I'm watching it and the first like 10 minutes is pretty great it's when shaggy and scooby meet and it's kind of funny and then uh all the other mystery gang they solve an actual mystery with a haunted house and the dude wearing a ghost mask and i go okay and then it goes way off its rocker and it, it, it is about Scooby being able to open up the doorway to hell. And it's a, like a Hanna-Barbera all-stars where they have um, a bunch of other characters from their stable show up. Um, and it's just, it's all over the place. And I don't know, it's bad. So I gave it one star because the opening's really fun. Um, and then it's about another 70 minutes of just crap. And it's not funny. And I, I asked Laura because I couldn't remember. Scooby Doo doesn't vocalize that often, right? No, he's yeah. kind of scattered with it. Yeah, he'll say like "ruh roh raggy," and then that's it, right? Yeah. In this one, he gives like dissertations and Shakespeare sonnets. It's really not really, but I'm just saying he, that's how it feels because he says complete sentences. It's really yeah. bizarre. Even the live action Scooby Doo, he doesn't talk that much. Yeah. I think it also depends on which show you're watching because the original Scooby-Doo, I think, was very much where he was not very talkative. He would have a couple of phrases maybe every episode, but I think as you went on and you did the, I forget what, like the adventures of Scooby-Doo or, you know, like whenever they'd team up with like Batman or whatever, that's when he got to be more talkative. Scooby-Doo all and stuff like that. I'd have to ask, I mean, Henry actually loves Scooby-Doo, so I'd I'd have to ask him because he's defensive and even Kellen didn't like it that much. So, I mean, that says something. It doesn't even appeal to the kid. Um, but a movie he did like, and I had no idea that he loved this movie. My mom showed him Underdog, um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And we went to Walmart, and I'm going through the $5 Blu-ray section like I always do. I picked up uh, Sylvester Stallone's Lockup, which I've never seen. So she didn't Ooh, watch that. That's a good one. <laughs> but Kellen says, Daddy, Daddy, Underdog. And so Underdog was there for 5 bucks. I was like, whatever. 
I've watched it five times this week. And um, <laughs> at least Jason Lee's the voice of underdog. Yeah, it's it's, for it. it's really it's not a bad movie. It's just not good. Like I don't know if that makes any sense at all. It's, like it exists and it's harmless and possible. Yeah, I mean Kellen loves it because underdog flies and he um hey Kellen come here real fast. I need you to come here. Come here, come here, come here, come here. I need you to tell me about underdog. Can you uh, say dude. it on my podcast? Oh, he's busy playing oh. a video game, so he doesn't give a shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, he likes a part. I love uh, the one time you want him to be on the show. He's like, no, nah, I don't want to. But then, yeah. like, he's you don't need him anymore. That's when he'll come over. Talk but to the agent, and I'll fit you in later. I did have thing. to uh, correct him on um, Peter Dinklage being a little person because Kellen called him a baby man. <laughs> um and so I had to tell him that sometimes people are just different. They're the same. He's just a small person. Um, and, uh, but he loves it. He likes it. Cause he, Peter Dinklage is actually pretty funny. He's a bad guy and he really chews the scenery. So it's fun. Jason Lee's um, good as underdog. Um, the movie's just, it's basically going from scene to scene of, Oh, this is a scene where underdog underdog learns how to sit. This is the scene where under, you can understand what underdog is saying. It's, it's whatever. I think Dinklage plays Simon Bar Sinister in that movie. So uh, yeah, I've seen it five times. Um, it's there. Did you watch the cartoon growing up? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I like the cartoon. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll tease a couple things. Um, I I have watched four episodes of Pride and Prejudice. Um, I will give my whole review hopefully next week. Um, but just so you know, it's taken me two weeks to watch four episodes. Um. And, uh, Oh shit! Uh, Sorry, I'm sharing. I'm sharing Ryan a, a Top Gun uh, Maverick version of a Transformer. Fucking a! Pretty awesome. That is awesome. Found a Transformer. They're doing one for the DeLorean too. Oh, he transforms to his helmet. So, so this is what so this is what happens when Bumblebee fails expectations. They start aping <laughs> on other movies. Oh, it's eighty bucks. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, never uh, mind. Yeah. Uh, We'll see. Maybe I'll show up at Walmart for cheaper. So yeah, be so metal. I'm almost done with Pride and Prejudice. I think it's six episodes, right, Corinne? So I'm almost done with that. Um, I also watched Under Capricorn for uh, Zach's podcast. Uh, Hell Shane yeah. Because Zach and I are going to be exploring the wonderful work and the wonderful Ingrid Bergman. Um, it's another excuse for me to watch a Cary Grant movie, so I'm always down. Yep. You actually get – yeah, because you, you get to watch uh... – Victorious again, and then you get to see some Gregory Peck with some Spellbound. So yep. very young Gregory Peck. Oh yeah, skinny. Um, I watched uh, My Spy, which you can watch on uh, Prime. I think it is. Yeah, um, and that's the Dave Batista movie where he's a CIA agent, and the little girl catches him, and it's surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be. Right. It's like it's like a fun movie. I mean, it's not a great movie, but <coughs> it's definitely better than Scoob. And, and that, like uh, Dave Batista is really funny in it. Um, and you actually care about, you know, the little girl and her mom and what they're going through. And it's, yeah, it's way better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, surprisingly violent though. Right. For its rating. Yeah, That's pretty violent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I mean pretty- the dude falls off the cliff at the end. At least they don't piss on him like MacGruber, but I mean, yeah. I forgot to mention uh, last time <laughs> yeah. that um, when, when I talked about seeing it, that uh, it's, it's a lot like, 
kindergarten cop without the kindergarten. Yeah. Because like he's the daughter, like the kid's trying to set him up with his mom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and too, it's, you know, a big guy trying to be this caring person and he's not. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, like Dave Fatisa is really funny in it. Um, it has some fun moments. And uh, Kristen Shaw, I really like her as the analyst. Um, so yeah, it was way better than I thought it was. So uh, that's off to Brad for giving me that recommendation. Um, and the last thing I watched this week, which I'm working currently on a blue buried uh, review because uh, the Blu-ray is packed with stuff is my fair lady is the 50th anniversary Blu-ray, um, which I, if you haven't seen my fair lady, I don't know what to say to you, but um, I don't know if it's the greatest um, Hollywood musical, but it's pretty close. Um, I, I'm more of a Mary Poppins kind of person, but, um, but my fair lady is great. If you know the story, um, it's based, I mean, how do you not know the story? So, uh, Audrey Hepburn is Eliza and she has this really big Cockney accent. Rex Harrison is some phonetic professor or it's his expertise. Here's her talking and he promises he can make her speak proper English, um, with another one of his friends and they won't be able to tell the difference between a flower girl and a duchess. And so the whole setup is funny. Um, if you've seen Family Guy, um, there is they do a really long parody of it where Stewie tries to get a girl from his preschool to um, speak proper English, or as Rex Harrison calls, English English. Um, and it's it's such a funny movie. Audrey Hepburn is so great in it. You know, I she's one of those yeah she's one of those people when you watch her. You just like you instantly fall in love with her, whether it's charade, breakfast at Tiffany's, funny face, uh, my fair lady. She's just one of those people that you absolutely adore. Um, so, yeah. Um, and it, it's funny because I love family guy so much. And if I close my eyes while Rex Harrison's talking, all I hear is Stewie um, because Seth MacFarlane's cadence and his uh, way he speaks when he says, by George, she's got it by George. She's got it is spot on. Um, but the movie's great. Um, the, the Blu-ray, um, I don't know, Corinne, do you have the 50th anniversary Blu-ray? I have a Blu-ray version of it. I don't know if it's the 50th anniversary. Is it the really like fancy Neo case where it's heavy and kind of like metallic? I don't think so. Um, so you have a good version of it. Um, but the, on the 50th anniversary, they went back and restored it again. Um, and there's a great special feature on it called the making of my fair lady then and now. And they talk about how they made the film. And then they talk about the, the process of restoring it because the film was almost lost. And um, they had to go all over the world to find elements of the film. Oh yeah. You have, you have the standard Blu-ray case of the 50th anniversary. So there's a, I was telling the guys, there's a great uh, documentary about how they restored it. And how the restoration cost $6 million because the film was in such bad shape and it was 70 millimeter. Um, They had to go back in and um, do it all again. And there's also a little Easter egg in it. They restored Audrey Hepburn's vocals for, uh, for Loverly. Um, So the original one is Marnie Nixon, who actually also dubbed for uh, Natalie Wood um, there's another big actress she dubbed for, um, but that was the, is a really great documentary because they talk about how Audrey Hepburn was really upset that they wouldn't, that's the only song that she wanted to use her vocals on 
because um, she understood that she can sing, but she doesn't sing as well. Um, but that's the one she really wanted to. Some of her vocals in Just You Wait, Henry Higgins. Yeah. Yeah, so her vocals for Just You Wait. That's her. Uh, in the restoration, the guy who's doing the soundtrack talks about that. Um, it's like uh, when it's almost the, the speaking vocals is all Audrey Hepburn. Um, but they went back and they re-put her, her vocals in for uh, Isn't That Loverly? And it's and she's actually pretty good in that. So, um, and that's a great song. I, I love her dad in it, even though he kind of turns into a putz at the end, um, you know, kind of getting rid of her. And I also don't like that she shows up at Rex Harrison's house at the end. I'm like, that guy treated you so bad. He's kind of an asshole throughout the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but That's the movie is fantastic. that from the original Pygmalion stage play. The ending of Pygmalion is very different. Like well, how's she, the ending of the original play? I don't even know. Uh, she actually does end up with, um, what's the, Freddie. She marries yeah. Freddie. And they have some kind of get together at the end where she's just like, Hey, here I am. I'm my own yeah. woman. And if you, watch, if you watch the film adaptation of Pygmalion with Leslie Howard, they changed the ending in that. And so I think that's where my fair lady got it from. Cause they have the same ending where she goes back to him at the end. Well, I, I, it, you're probably right. But I also throw in that a lot of times in Hollywood at that time, they would purposely give the Hollywood ending and uh, oh, yeah. that's why a lot of films from like the thirties to the sixties, I think end abruptly because uh, it's basically, Oh, we got to get them together. And cause he's awful to her throughout the whole film. I mean, Rex Harrison's great in it. I mean, and, he, basically, he's a, he's a man. He really is like, he has no concern for other people. He's so self-absorbed and yeah. yeah, he's just, he's a giant prick to her and everyone. Yeah. So uh, but I mean the costumes and, and like, so the 50th anniversary was sourced at 8K. Then they scanned it in 4K, and it it looks like it was shot yesterday. It's it's amazing. George Kukar is an amazing director. Um, just just like the little things um, where that Freddie is singing on the street about his feet not touching the ground, and he has the flowers in the foreground, and then he has uh, the actor in between. And the colors, oh, it's it's stunning. You should if you, I think you can get uh, it for like seventeen bucks or something, and it's probably a Blu-ray. I think everybody should own. Um, it's it's that good because um, I mean they redid the sound, and even the like I said, the documentary is so great talking about restoring it, and and then it also makes you sad. Like oh, they almost lost this film, a film yeah. that's one of the most awarded films ever. And one of the most like loved films of all time is almost lost. And what's cool about the restoration is on the documentary, they show you the restoration they did, but it's uh, for a DVD. And so they redid it again for the 50th anniversary and just watching the DVD to the Blu-ray is unbelievable. So pick up my fair lady. It's that was a, that was a passion project for Jack Warner. He was, uh, Cause he was, um, I, I don't remember the full story, but it had to do with him leaving the studio and wanting to produce stuff on his own. And this is the yeah, only he time he five million dollars for it. Yep, and he was the only. This is the only time he won an Oscar legitimately instead of just accepting Hal Wallace's for Casablanca. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's a great film. 
Um, actually, if, Brian, if you like George Kukor, I, I would love to know what you think of his version of David Copperfield from 35. Yeah, I, you know, I was looking at his filmography. There's a couple of films. Right? I mean, obviously, I love the Philadelphia story, but there's uh, he has a couple other films. <laughs> yeah, Dinner at, Dinner at Eight is a good one. The, I don't know if The Women holds up, but I remember liking it when I saw it. That's quite a pronounced eye roll, Corinne. Why do you not like the Philadelphia story? It's awesome. Because it's a shitty non-musical version of High Society, which is much better. Wait, wait, hold on a minute. <laughs> hold, hold on. High Society is fine. Does the Philadelphia story have Louis Armstrong in it? No, it doesn't. So that's, there's... Okay. That that's, that's fair, but yeah, Ryan, take it away. Everything out. Yeah, exactly. And, and speaking of, there's, a, there's a funny Cary Grant story on the making of uh, My Fair Lady where the uh, son of Stanley Holloway, who played uh, Alfred uh, Doolittle, says they offered the part of uh, Harrison to Cary Grant. And Cary Grant told Jack Warner, not only will I not do it, but if you don't cast Rex Harrison in the role, then I will never make another picture for Warner Brothers. And then he dropped his mic and left the room. Yeah. <laughs> and he a cigarette at him. <laughs> the role on Broadway. Yeah, it's funny. Could you imagine having that much power where you're like, fuck you, dude, you need to cast this guy or I'm not doing anything for you. Did, did, I mean, he only made, I think, two movies after, like, 1964, but he I, let him know. Ryan, off screen, was Cary Grant a smoker? <laughs> <clears throat> yes. He actually, okay, okay. But, but he quit, uh, I think, after um, his last film because he had his daughter. So he ah. and then he started doing a bunch of PSAs about not smoking. Really fascinating. You should pick up the book, Evenings with Cary Grant, where – um, his publicist transcribes his evenings when he went on tour and there are wonderful stories. There, there are fond friends of mine that are mentioned in that book. I'm yeah. excited to read it. Uh, this week on retro real nerds, we rewatched some of us, uh, super Mario brothers, Zach, should people revisit super Mario brothers? Uh, yeah, you should. If nothing else, to embrace the full madness that is this incomprehensible movie for the majority of it. I was telling, I was telling Brad before we recorded though, it's interesting how as unfaithful as it is to what I remember the source material of Mario being from the games, it, it does kind of become a Mario game movie at the end of the movie, but not by much. Um, But I, this is a film that, Unfortunately, the actors involved were one of them was injured and the others just like were just wondering what the fuck they were in. Um, but I would give it a watch out of curiosity if you've never seen it. If you're rewatching it, like I, I guess, like I mean, it's not to it's not to make fun of Brad for his choice or anything because I know he has an affection for this film. But I, um, I, I just I found it a bit of an interesting watch. It was kind of hilarious in the places they obviously didn't want it to be. And there's a lot of allegories to today's society in this movie that are very fucking strange. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, if, if you have nothing else to do, sure. Corinne, have you ever seen Super Mario Brothers? I think I saw it one time a really long time ago because I do remember the de-evolved dinosaur people and they're like creepy like little tiny heads on their giant ass bodies <laughs> and that is the feel of nightmares um it is a oh it was a terrible movie i had to like pause and take breaks just to get through it it was 
It was bad. I mean, I, I knew it was bad, but ugh, it was really bad, you guys. I would have rather watched a Jane Austen book club twice than watch this movie once. <laughs> I'll go uh, next because I, uh, I, I really need to hear Brad on this. So uh, re-watching this from a streaming source that uh, Corinne showed me, wink, um, I, I was watching, I go, man, Bob Hoskins and John goes, oh, are really good at the beginning. And they have that heartfelt, like, moment at the dinner. I go, okay, maybe this movie isn't as bad as I thought it was. And then I got about 20 minutes into it, and I go, nope. Nope, still bad. Um, because, one, uh, Zachary touched on it's incomprehensible. The, the relation to the video games is fleeting. Um, they don't – they totally botch Toad. They basically have, like, an underground – Demolition Man style world, um, but it, it's just I can't. This movie's too much. Um, no, I don't think you should revisit it. Um, but Brad, as I was going through my letterboxed, I noticed you gave it five stars, and you don't give five stars to a lot of films. So, Brad, you tell me why this is an underrated classic before we play the trailer. I mean, ironically, no, I, I love this movie. Uh... It's 1993. How do you how do you translate to Bar Brothers in 1993? That's that that's true. Animation. Like how how would it? What would I guess you could do a cartoon? But I mean, you saw the cartoon they did on TV. Yeah. So that's why <laughs> it's Bar Brothers. No, but I, I think I think given what they had to work with, like translating it into something different, you know, obviously if you're looking for, uh, you know the game you played as a movie this is not it um but i think they do some clever things to associate with the game like you know later on uh in the finale you know uh koopa's in that like i don't know cement mixer that's like hanging from the ceiling it's kind of like his clown propeller transport in the super mario world game uh, uh when they're outside the koopa tower or koopa city or whatever you know there's like those garbage guys who have the gas mask face. They're kind of like shy guys. Um, you know, there's Bob bombs walking around throughout it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but they also have Reebok shoes. So if they've never seen the human world, how do they know what pizza is? Reeboks are cars are in the, in the other dimension, it, it, you know, dinosaurs just kind of evolves into humans, mammals anyway. I don't know, you know, for, for, uh, someone who's an heir to the mushroom kingdom, uh, Princess Toadstool, or Daisy, um, she's not even Princess Toadstool. Uh, she was born in an, e- in an egg, like a reptile, but she's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Mushroom Kingdom people. Um, but like, yeah, there's also just like a lot of creative, you know, back and forth with the studio making this movie. Um, oh, you it, can tell. Yeah, the directors had, I forget, like, had this, had this get made, did a deeper dive on it, but. Uh, obviously he was troubled, you know, trying to figure out what vision to go with it. But I, th- I think what they did was like creative and um, it's silly and zany, but I, I think it's fun. Like you said, uh, Hoskins and Leguizamo are like totally earnest about it. Like they're treating it seriously. Oh yeah. Uh, they're not, they're not half-assing it. And I think Hop- Hopper, you know, he took a, his character, like he had that OC- OCD element to him where he's a, like a huge germaphobe. Um, and very particular, like, obviously that's not a Bowser thing, but, um, yeah. Uh, what else? Yeah, here's a, here's a trailer for Super Mario. 
where are we? I got a feeling we're not in Brooklyn no more. They're plumbers. They're on the trail of a kidnapped princess and a mystical meteorite. It's incredible! That gives anyone who possesses it the power to rule the universe. Get me the rock! Come and get it, lizard breath! Must rescue the princess. And make it safely back. Later, alligator. To our world. Are you alright? Before time runs out. This ain't no game. This ain't no game. Yeah, I uh, I get everything you're saying, Brad. But what? Like, not once does Mario jump on somebody. Not <laughs> once does he eat a mushroom and get big. He grows a mushroom that defends him from the devolution gun, which is a super scope, which is a fun. Yeah, ride. yeah, and I mean, again, they know what pizza is. They've never been to America. They know English. They know what cars are. Out of everything is, it's just too much. And then you know. The uh, the former king is the fungus, which is a fine idea. I mean, that makes sense. Oh, he has magical mushrooms. But then when you see him, it looks like a turd coming out of a butthole. <laughs> well, also, like, <laughs> the evolution, that means he's, de- he's derived from fungus, but his daughter is derived from lizards. I don't... Yeah. I guess everyone's the same prehistoric cesspool, I guess. And I, uh, I'm actually like Corinne. I uh, started watching it, and I pause it. I'm like, fuck, there's 50 minutes left in this movie? <laughs> Seriously, um, a problem. And it's it's oh, the movie. act goes on way too long. Yeah, I've seen the movie probably four or five times, and each time I I get sucked in because I think the beginning is really good. I think the introduction of the Mario Brothers, but also um, uh, is it is it typical practice for like a client to call two separate plumbing agencies and then make them race to get to the no, same? No, no, it, no, it's not. And I'm glad you. I'm glad <laughs> I rewatched this. I, I'm glad I rewatched this film because I remembered that, and I remembered the fact that the the way Daisy and Luigi bond is over the fact that they were adopted. That's like their only real connecting tissue in a relationship. Is like, and she says matter of factly, "Oh, I was abandoned." <laughs> like, well, she's a strong character. It's okay yeah, to... She, she, she is. She, she, she is, but but still. <laughs> it's a weird thing to throw out there on the first date dinner. <laughs> it, it came up organically. Like, it wasn't the first thing they talked about. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. I think it was... I think, actually... Like I said, that dinner scene, I think, is actually really great. Because you get a little background to Mario and that, you know, Luigi is uh, maybe not his real brother, but he raised him like he was his brother. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think that's cool. But then the rest of the movie, it just falls apart. It, 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 it's incomprehensible. It doesn't make any sense. It makes uh, sense. There's, there's a, a rock that was part of an asteroid that killed all the dinosaurs and then uh-huh. sent the rest of them into a separate dimension on the whoa, same whoa. planet. And then let's, what? Let's be clear. The meteor landed in Brooklyn and they show Brooklyn 65 million years ago. And I didn't see no Brooklyn bridge 
even 65 million years ago today. No Brooklyn Bridge, no Brooklyn. <laughs> Why would there be a bridge 65 million years ago, Zach? I don't care. <laughs> I mean, really, the only tunnel they go through is when they go, like, sledding with the Goombas yeah. that are, like, small dinosaur heads on huge bodies. I'm, I'm surprised when they, when they do travel through the dimension, like, there's that, you know, sand wall that they're able to mm-hmm. leap through. Like... Why did someone not just not? Why did they just make it a pipe? Here's the thing, Brad. Is I can tell watching this that there is so much studio involvement because if I got this script, I said, okay, I can work with this. Instead of them jumping through a sand wall, I'll have them jump through a pipe and go whoop whoop whoop. You know, there's so many like easy things you can do to make this a little better. I think they also got excited about the graphics at the time because you know I think this is the, this is the same summer as Jurassic Park, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and so they made a big deal about that. Like, you know, when they disintegrate, when they do travel between worlds, like people were just blown away by that. Not enough to get them in theater, dusting. but they were dusting people before infinity war. Yes. Um, but it was like the other CGI that people were like, wow, you can do this effect. So um, I think they just yeah. got excited about the technology versus how it makes sense to the story. I don't know. I think the editing's kind of sloppy in it too. Like the last fight with Bowser is really like jumbled, and yeah. it's almost they didn't want to show him. Um, and I mean, this is really fresh. I watched it like two hours ago. Yeah, me um, too. <laughs> and it's just—I mean, it's okay. I—I I, I just wish it was a little more uh, fun because I think I don't think it's that fun. <laughs> and I wanted to see them like jump on things and like grab a flower mushroom, I mean a flower plant and have fire, not guns. Um, It just seems that stuff just seems really lazy to me in an excuse to make it look cool and appeal to a bigger audience than a video game that sold, you know, 150 million copies. Yeah. I I will say like there, there's, there's the insanity of this film is the insanity you find in those most movies that, how did this get made? And we hate movies kind of cover where there is a fascination point to watch it. Like I, I found myself giggling at a lot of the audacity of like just the insanity of this film, but, um, and just like these, these, their, the portrayal of the, the, the Koopa world is like such a weird dystopic thing that somehow works for it. Like, it's like, it's weird. Like, I don't feel like it's, um, ill-advised but it also doesn't it feels weird in the context of it being a mario movie but like as a goofy 90s movie about two plumbers fighting a lizard man like sure why not like i guess a part of it is i had to start separating myself from the game and what i knew of it to enjoy myself in certain areas um but yeah i mean like i it's completely harmless to a to a, to a degree because it's like i don't like it's not like a trying to actively piss anybody off or anything, so I'm like not hurt by it. <laughs> like it's you know like yeah. It, um, I mean, it, when I say it reeks of studio involvement too, it feels like there's some darker elements to it. But they got notes from the studio saying, "Hey, this is for kids. You need to lighten this up." Yeah, because they have where you know Bowser is talking about taking over the world and stuff, and then he orders a pizza, and they had a lot of that um, ADR where it's two people in the distance and they're yelling stuff at each other. Whereas it seems like they needed to make it more punchy. Um, the Pat Oswalt per- bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A perfect example of it is when they're going down to see, uh, rescue Daisy before they go through the wall. They're like Mario and Luigi are in the distance. So you never see their faces and they're, they're bickering between each other. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think uh, there's some, some scenes missing too. Um, a lot of the fans have been asking for like the deleted scenes to come out because they're like on cards and uh, promotional materials, but they're not in the movie. So that might be some connective tissue there. Because I think I remember people talking about that sequence being changed. Hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, they get hit on the head. Like and then like five minutes later, you don't see them get back up, but they're already chasing her again. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think the 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 uniforms with the super boots and the poster is really cool. Tomorrow, buddy. So I think it's a Struzan. Yeah. Yeah. No, the poster's cool. But yeah, like I don't know what else you would do live action wise in that era, like. Well, I mean, I think now in the world of Scott Pilgrims and things like that, I think you can, I, I think back then they didn't give the audience enough credit for how smart they were. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I can go to the Mortal Kombat movie where you're making a PG-13 movie about people that kill each other. You know what I mean? It, it's, it just reeks of studios interfering with it. Why can't it just be some goofy Italian guy going to save a princess from a really colorful world? Oh, that's another thing I want to bring up. So... Normally, I no, normally I get a little cringe when Ryan does his um, uh, mock Italian accent when I mention movies like Roma, but um, this one, this this is one of those movies when I was like, we need Ryan's mocking Italian voice in this movie. We need them to go Mamma Mia and here we go and stuff like that. Like I need that in this movie. Well, yeah, that's what you do when they jump through the the warp. Yeah. And last but not least, okay. Wahoo! yes, that's the thing we need, Ryan. Wahoo. We need Wahoo. Hashtag bring back Wahoo. Well, don't worry. The new Super Mario Brothers is being made by Illumination, so I'm guessing it's going to be really great. Well, it's good that technology caught up to do it. Um, I'm trying to imagine, like, you, you talk about, like, oh, it would have been cool if he, like, jumped on a Goomba or something. But, like, you see, what's her name? Big Bertha, like, fly away with the moon boots. Mm-hmm. So they would have done jumping through wire work, which I don't know if that would have been, like, <laughs> convincing. No, I get the limitations. Yeah. But the limitations make it not a good movie. So they should have just waited, like, yeah. 30, 30 or years. Or make another pass at the script. Yeah. They... It, it's all over the place. I mean, when they when they get to the Mushroom Kingdom or whatever they call it, um, it's just a hodgepodge of scenes. We didn't even talk about Iggy and Spike. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh God. <laughs> um, which I don't think I really put it together until today watching it that they, uh, you know, in Super Mario Bros. 3, Koopa has like his Koopa children. Kooplings. Kooplings, yeah. And are Iggy and Spike the names of some of them? Yep. I think Iggy is. I don't remember if Spike is. Spike is yeah, the name either. of Iggy for sure. Spike is the name of the... Uh, the little green dragon guy who hawks up uh, the spike ball. Mm, okay. Okay. And, um, right. my point. Correct. and that's Fisher Stevens and Richard Edson playing Iggy and Spike and Rich watching Richard Edson, who I a couple months ago rewatched and do the right thing. And then seeing this going like, man, his trajectory went all over the goddamn place in the nineties. <laughs> Yes, I am right. There's Spike from, I don't know if you can see it, from Super Mario. Your <laughs> little dragon guy. Out. Yeah, who hawks up, uh, god damn it. Yeah, so it's a little dragon guy who hawks up spikes and stuff. Okay, yeah, I see him now. Yeah, and and let's not forget the great Mojo Nixon as uh, Toad. <laughs> and yeah. uh, his uh, little anti- hey, anti- oh, anti- started on Toad. 
Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a thing. I I remember. I don't remember Mojo Nixon having more than one scene in that movie, but he clearly does before he gets turned into the Goomba. I mean, so. I don't know which one I like least, uh, this one, or if you watch the cartoon, he has a Brooklyn accent. His, he goes, yo, Mario, let's get out of here. <laughs> it doesn't fit his character at all. Yeah, where would he get that? Coming from the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. Um, did you guys watch past the credits? Yeah, I saw the post credit sequence. Um. I mean, there's already the, the, the cliffhanger ending, which, man, I remember seeing this in the theater in 93 and just getting so excited, like, where's this movie going to go next? And then, you know, but six years ago, Bob Hoskins is dead. So <laughs> I don't think I can get that sequel. Yeah, and uh, Mario. and uh, uh, Fiona Shaw as Lena does tell Princess Daisy, you have your mother's eyes. And I just immediately went like you're going to be in a franchise where that's going to be an entire fucking phrase for all eight films. Hey, you remember in uh, hot shots where uh, Charlie Sheen says, I have my father's eyes yeah. up the case. And he literally has his father's. Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he throws them out to sea at the end of the movie. It's amazing. <laughs> oh God. Um, Anywho, um, so, so what's hard to understand about the there's an asteroid with a, a fragmented rock that uh, was sent away with Daisy when she was adopted, and Koopa wants that rock so he can put the asteroid back together and then merge the two worlds and then take over Earth. Yep, spot I, on. I, is, I, is that I, what? What's complicated about that? Nothing at all. I think what threw me off, Brad, was when the dinosaurs at the beginning were talking talking with Brooklyn voices, and then that's when I just decided, like, I don't, nothing makes sense, and I'm just going to sit in and enter this world uninhibited. I don't yeah, think I don't they're know. real, Zach. Even characters more offensive in this or in Short Circuit. <laughs> Ooh, tough call. Actually, not a tough call at all. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, you know, I will say, Brad, I had a lot of fun rewatching it, like on the level of the, how did this get made kind of thing. So I did appreciate re rewatching it after hearing those episodes of that show. And so, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So it's, it wasn't a waste of time. Yeah. I think it's just a, it's a, so bad as good fun thing. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, pretty disgusting. It's hard to get back. Oh, it's just like it, you could you could almost like smell it like it was just like the 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 sound design on it was just like really <laughs> accurate of like oh gosh ugh. no and then like I said the creepy like tiny heads on big bodies got unironically Yoshi was the best thing about this movie yeah I kind of like Yoshi it's a pretty interesting it's it's not like a cheap kind of dinosaur effect yeah, fuck that yoshi didn't have a saddle on him fuck this movie <laughs> <laughs> but he I, did extend his tongue to fiona shaw and then tried to eat her like <laughs> i think it's amazing they couldn't even bother to paint him green yep. yeah it's like <laughs> a lazy shade of green. green i thought he was green i think he's like brownish right like a like, pale green or something it's david fincher green <laughs> well when it gets a 4k scan we'll actually see what color he is. <laughs> <laughs> from the original camera negative <laughs> that's that touchstone pictures i i have the negative right here yeah. well and not I the negative but i have the film the trailer <laughs> actually oh, film. The trailer? where'd you get it did you get it from a theater friend online ebay ah gotcha how much did that trailer set you back because you were sending me the army of darkness one that ended up going for how much 
sixty dollars. Sixty dollars. How much was a Super Mario Brothers trailer? Not nearly that much. <laughs> uh, I think ten. Pay ten bucks oh, for this. It's film, so that's cool. Yeah. You, it, Brad. you have the better physical trailer, Brad. I have the trailer for Red. So. <laughs> <laughs> so when um they start making a special edition and they need elements for the trailer. That's right. They can scan this. They can scan yours. I will let them have it for free if they if they give me a Blu-ray. Nice. Or a 4K Blu-ray. <laughs> All right. Um, next week, I don't know what we're watching. Whose Maybe turn is it? Um, All right. Zach or uh, Corinne? I'm going to put a number on my phone between 1 and 10. Who's ever the closest gets to pick the movie this week. Corinne, what number are you going to pick? Six. Zach? Eight. Corinne, it's six. Woo! Lucky number. All right. Corinne, what are we watching next week? Oh, shoot. Can I think about it? Do you all want to watch Northanger Abbey? (laughs) (laughs) To watch what? Yeah, I might be not be on next week's show. Oh, come on, Ryan. Awesome. My streak will uh, be easier to obtain. <laughs> oh, fuck that. I'm just going to come on and <laughs> talk and then leave. <laughs> yeah, that's, up to, that's up to you, Corinne. Yep. I'll contemplate. I've got a couple of movies to choose from. Cool. If you can't do it, we're picking the old guard. So. Yep. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to watch that, though. Well, your choice. Dealer's choice. Till next week. See you, retro film. Bye. Bye. I love when you do that hocus pocus to me. The way that you touch, you got the power to me. You give me that look. It's almost unreal. It's almost unreal. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.